I want to thank all those of you who came and helped out on the, the work day. And, and if you weren't able to make this one, I know many of you have been at other ones. And so much was accomplished. And uh, a lot of the, uh, this kind of helps to see where some of the funds that we receive go towards. Uh, you know, several years ago, I was uh, precariously on a ladder trying to put banners on the outside uh, in the, in the um, parking area. You may have noticed the new banners are up. And uh, the ladder was shaking, the wind was blowing, and uh, that's when I decided, uh, you know, this is probably not worth it. <laughs> and so we started uh, renting the equipment, the scissor lift, and those aren't cheap, you know. I mean, the turnaround on those is, you know, four or five hundred bucks to, for it to come in here. So we try to do as much as possible. We, we hang, uh, were hang, able to hang a couple of extra lights, which helped you see the media or the worship team today. Wasn't that great? You can see everybody, um, poor Gary, who's been laboring in darkness. We saw him and uh, also Brianna over here. So we're filling uh, the stage a little bit more with lights. Then we were able to put the banners up. Uh, there were uh, many of you who helped with the fence. Uh, we paid a lot of money uh, several years ago to reclaim the, um, the, uh, the kindness place. Here we go. And uh, part of that was that beautiful wood that was placed around it, and uh, we want to take care of it. It's always easier to take care of it than it is to redo it again, right? <laughs> and so it was in need, and you came, and, and uh, we went through a five-gallon bucket of, of that. And some of you are still wearing that stain today. If you are, raise your hand. You got some of that on your hands and elbows. And, uh, of course, the, the pulling of weeds. Oh, my Lord, that was really something. You know, there was weeds everywhere. They just, uh, they love when spring comes. They're the first to pop up and say hello. And so there were buckets and trash canfuls of weeds that were pulled by you. We thank you for that. That's painstaking hard work. Austin saved us a little bit by bringing a couple of tools he found at Amazon that uh, he's used at his own home that made it a little easier so we didn't have to bend down so far. And then uh, I wanna, we, we have a, a couple who, uh, their first Sunday was last Sunday, and then we just put them right to work, right? So uh, <laughs> Jose and Jessica, they came out here, and I, you know, in that picture, I was telling Michelle, I was like, I've never even seen anybody that has gone between the, the uh, uh, community center over here and, and the walkway and, and swept, uh, you know, they had put together, uh, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 bags filled with leaves that had fallen from all the trees. And uh, I can't believe he got back there. They were probably like, you know, it was probably knee deep in leaves back there because we never go there. <laughs> and he cleaned it out. And so we're so grateful for all of you, your hard work and labor and beautifying the, the, the place around here. Thank you. Yeah, give yourself a hand. Yeah. So much got accomplished, so much done. And uh, I wanted to share this. I shared it with, uh, the, as you gathered in the morning, uh, Saturday, those who came to work, this little bit of a story uh, about Michelle telling me uh, we were in our home, our new home, uh, God has blessed us with. And and uh, she's, she was just, uh, we were finally relaxed. We had, you know, hung up some things, done a lot of work to prepare and move in. You, know, you all know what that's about, emptying boxes and all that kind of stuff. So we were just kind of relaxing and setting down. And 
she got a little emotional and she said, I just love our new home. And she said, I'm so grateful that God gave it to us. And she said, I think God gave us this beautiful home because I love to take care of God's home. And I thought, you know, that's, that's true. It's, it, it is that God, uh, you know, he, uh, we take care of his home. We take care of his house. And it's the promise of God, isn't it? That seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And, it, and the blessings of the Lord have been bestowed upon our lives. We are enriched. Uh, as, a, as a couple with uh, our grandchildren, our children, and, and uh, the homes that we have with health and all of this. And uh, it's a blessing from the Lord for whatever season God chooses to uh, allow us to be here, to bless us, to lead us, and to guide us. It's just an honor uh, to serve and to be a part of that. I know you feel that way too, or you wouldn't have shown up and worked so hard. We couldn't get you out of here finally too. You know, it was 2.30 or so. We'd only planned to be from 9 to noon. And you just had to push you out, you know, and you said, I'm going to go get some lunch. I'll be right back. You know, like, no, no, don't come back, you know, <laughs> but it was a great day. We got a lot accomplished. You have your Bibles with you today or your Bible apps. We're going to look at John chapter 14 verses one through six. We're starting a little mini series in the middle of a, uh, a pause on the uh, book of Ephesians. I'm excited when we come back, uh, we'll have a guest to kick off uh, that Ephesians series, but we're in the Easter series right now. And uh, we are looking specifically at a passage out of John 14, uh, verse 6. But I want to read 1 through 6 today as we open up in this and kind of set the background for us a little bit. Um, I am the way is the title of the, the message today. And we're beginning in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. I didn't even ask you to stand. Thank you for those of you who are. Please stand for the reading of God's word. In my Father's house are, are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Lord, we invite you in these moments, God, to minister to our hearts and lives, to turn us wholeheartedly towards you. And as we embrace the season of Easter, which is, uh, Lord, the exclamation point upon Christianity, it would have meant nothing had the life been lived, uh, even aside the miracles, if there was not the resurrection. And we are so excited as we, as we eagerly move towards that celebration for the church, one of the high holy days of the church community. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we invite you, God, to open our hearts and open the eyes of our understanding. Minister to hearts and lives today, both online today and on campus. Lord, we are listening and we are available to you. Use us today for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. The question, opening question then is, can God really be known? 
Can God really be known? In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus uh, says, you know, I, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, you can imagine that that was startling to his listeners who had been looking uh, for God, praying to God, asking God on a daily basis to protect their families and their holdings and their life and all of this kind of stuff, to have Jesus standing in front of them and said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And it, it is a startling today, I think, when we think about it, how we can know God through Jesus Christ in a, in a very personal way. And no other world religion invites that kind of thing, to have a personal relationship with the uh, said deity or the God of that particular religion. That it is uh, Christianity that stands alone that invites us to a personal relationship with a living God. So how can we know God through Jesus? The early Christians did, and uh, it, this was counterculture both to the Greeks and the Jews, and it was, uh, and it still is the pivotal point of Christianity and Christian faith. You can know the way to God, and you can know God in a personal way and, and have a personal relationship with Him. John opens uh, this passage with these words, interesting, and it reminded me of a story in my life I want to share with you. But he opens it by saying, "And I, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. I've used this passage of Scripture in funerals before to, uh, as a reading to people because there are various places in life where our hearts are deeply troubled, and that would be one of them. But I would say that no one uh, has a troubled heart like someone who is lost. Nobody has a troubled heart uh, like the person who is lost, completely lost. And I share this story with you. Several years ago, I found myself out in the wilderness. I was hunting for deer and, and um, a few hours of wandering through the mountains and trees and, and uh, open uh, terrain and things like this. And, uh, you know, I, I became exhausted. I had my backpack, you know, just a couple of snacks and some water in it and and I, I became exhausted, and, and the deer, I could hear them laughing, right? Because you know, they were just mocking me at this point. The sun is starting to set, and I realized that I had little to no idea. I had kind of just wandered off, and I had little to no idea where my truck was parked. You talk about deeply troubled, right? <laughs> I'm out in the middle of the wilderness, uh, no cell signals, nothing going on out there. And uh, deeply troubled, like uh, we're, you know, because I had wondered in several different directions, where do I go to go back to my truck? And uh, so deeply troubled as I was, I started walking, and it was then that it dawned on me that I had just purchased a brand new tech tool. And it was also in my backpack back there. It was the, uh, one of the early GPS uh, locators. And, and so, you know, I... Uh, I remembered that and I was grateful because I remember what, what I had done when I was at my truck. I had put in, you know, the, the place, uh, the location of that truck. And then I, I, I turned the thing off and, and stuck it in my uh, backpack and off I went, you know. And so I was grateful remembering that. So I had marked the spot of where my truck was. So fire it up and uh, find where the, the location was of the truck. Ping that in. And uh, it's telling me that I'm walking the wrong direction. And so, uh, okay, so I flip around, I start walking. Now I'm walking for a long, long time. 
And uh, I'm not seeing anything familiar, so I'm starting to doubt the GPS. Uh, this thing is lying. This new tech tool is not taking me to my truck, it's taking me to my burial plot. Um, I am deeply troubled, I'm lost. And I think everyone who's lost is more deeply troubled than we can possibly imagine until we experience it, right? And, and so I was convinced that this thing was lying to me, but I kept going, thinking I'm just giving it one more chance. And every time I would top a hill and not see my truck, I thought, you lying tech tool. <laughs> and I kept pursuing and moving on. And I, in fact, I got to, the, to near the top of, of you know, the, the, the third or fourth uh, hill or mountain I had climbed. And just before I, I got to the summit of it and got to the peak of it, I'm just like, you know, this thing is lying. I'm going to turn around and go the way I feel like is the right direction. You know, I'm, I'm done with this. And yet it said I was only, you know, 1,000 or 1,500 yards from the truck. I said, there's no way. I didn't park up here in the top of the mountain, you know. <laughs> Another thing was familiar. And I'm looking around, and I decided I would trust the tool. And so I climbed to the top of that. I looked down in a beautiful sight, my little green truck. Oh, I was so grateful. Uh, it just felt like a homecoming, you know. And I think I kissed my GPS. I was like, I'm going to keep you. You are truthful <laughs> and right. But when people are lost, they are deeply troubled. And there are so many around us that are lost, not only in the sense of directionally where they should be in, in the scheme of things, but life is not making any sense for them at all. I think a part of the, the great resignation that has taken place across uh, America, and I've read many, many articles on this. It's just massive amounts of people just resigning and giving up their jobs and walking away. And uh, even a recent article that I, I had read was talking about now many of those people are so troubled that they left those career fields and uh, are trying to make their way back in. But I think what, what was the instigator of that, if people are completely honest, is that when you are climbing the rungs of a career ladder and you get near the top or at the top, you, all the things that you thought were going to happen and all the things that you thought would fulfill you are empty. And you see your life slipping away and you're giving yourself to corporate America or to some job and, and your life seems meaningless in the scheme and the scope of things. And people just said, I want something different. I want out of this. You know, there were, uh, the, the statistics showed that in, in 2020 and 2021, there were, there were uh, you know, almost uh, 50 to 100% more applications for small businesses. People uh, got to the place where they're like, I'm done working for the man or whatever, and I'm going to try my own thing. But even in that, people found that that wasn't fulfilling. You know, sometimes it's worse to work for yourself, and, and there are some in the room that do that. How many of you know that the person you work for is a slave driver and you work for yourself? <laughs> it's a killer. And, and so all of this, this, this begins to dawn on people. There's no purpose. There's no real mission. I'm just expending my life. I'm paying bills. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And then I find that there's just no fulfillment in it. I am heading down a way that is leading me to emptiness and unfulfillment. 
And Jesus is saying some things in this passage. First of all, Jesus is, is, is declaring that he is the only way. Not, you know, choose among many. One of my most unfavorite uh, bumper stickers, you know, is, is that one that, that says coexist. And it has, you know, all of the different kinds of uh, religions. It, it, it declares the ignorance of the person driving the vehicle. They have no idea that there is nothing that stands next to the cross. There's only one way that leads to God. And uh, so you can, you can know Jesus is the way, and intellectually you can, you can know that. And there are many people that surround us that know that intellectually. They might have even been raised with a background in Christianity. And so intellectually they know about Jesus. And they, and they give some, some uh, kind of, they have good feelings about that, good feelings about religion. But further, he says, you must believe, not just know, but you must believe. The Apostle John reminds us of the importance of believing in Jesus in John chapter 29, 30 and 31, verses 30 and 31. Jesus performed, he says, many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book. I'll just pause right there. That's interesting because we have lots of, of stories in here about Jesus healing blind eyes and, and touching the leper and them being cured, about Jesus raising people from the dead. But here's John declaring there are many more you don't even know anything about. They're not recorded in the book. There are many, many miraculous things that Jesus did along the way. Uh, but then verse 31, he says, But these are written, the things that we have in the book here, the stories, the miracles, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. The struggle to believe is, I think, most difficult when the need is greatest in your life. When, when you're at the end of your rope and at the end of your hope, then the challenge to believe is, is there, uh, I think a lot of times, even especially for Christians, to continue to believe. Because there's something about coming into a relationship with God and making Him Lord and leader of your life that it's, it's, it's the unsaid uh, kind of uh, dogma that we believe about Scripture. It's not true, but it's doctrinally what we believe. Now I've got my ticket punched to heaven. Now Jesus is, is Lord of my life. Everything's going to go well. God's going to answer all my prayers about sickness. God's going to, you know, answer, you know, all my prayers about financial needs. And so when we struggle with those things, the believing thing is tough, isn't it? Yeah. Am I going to believe that God will come through for me in the midst of this? And, and how come I'm having to go through the same thing that people who don't believe in God are having to go through, right? Why is it uh, that I'm having to face this in my own life? And Jesus is inviting us to believe in him as the way to God. He didn't say that there would be no valleys and no lions and no wolves along the way. He didn't say that there will not be any thorns in the, in, in the, in the roses. He, he's just saying, I'm, I'm asking you to believe and trust me and follow me as I lead you along the way. And he says this in the passage, you believe in God and, and he's talking to, to a group of people who have, have been, uh, you know, uh, fervent believers that there is a God. 
who have called out to him and cried out to him uh, on a daily basis to protect and watch over their family and, and in the midst of crises and things like that. But he says, you believe that in God, believe also in me. Jesus said that he was the way of salvation. And that's interesting that he declares that he is the only way to salvation. When people speak of salvation, it's often uh, in terms of speaking of the benefits that they have in mind. In other words, when somebody says, I'm saved, uh, they, they may mean something like, I believe I'm going to heaven when I die. But the salvation that God is, is offers to us is so much more than that. It's so much more than, as I've said before last week, having your ticket punched to, to be able to go to heaven. When God's work of salvation meets deep need, we do indeed benefit, as Paul says in Titus 3, 5-7. through He saved us, Paul says, so that being justified by His grace, we might become, what is that word? heirs according to the hope of eternal life i'm not just on a ride <laughs> that eventually is going to dump me out in a disneyland right of a heavenly disneyland i am an heir yeah. Yeah. that is a the powerful powerful thought i'm a son i'm a you're you're a daughter you're a son of the living god you're an heir you will inherit what you don't deserve because the way paid the price and the way led you into the presence of God. There's another place in scripture where Jesus said, don't be ashamed of me in front of the world because uh, so I don't have to be ashamed of you in front of the father. I want to gladly introduce you to the father, meet your children, <laughs> your heirs. And elsewhere, Paul, uh, Paul writes uh, in, in, to the Romans, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that in our sinful nature, we were literally at war with God? That there are people who, who, who are rejecting God who are literally at war with God. Right? They're, they're not just non-believers. Somebody posted uh, one day last week... Uh, it was Atheist Day. Anybody remember seeing that? It was Atheist Day? And I posted, I don't believe in atheists. <laughs> or Santa Claus. or <laughs> Fairy tales. Um, you know, um, the, uh, when, we, when we're looking at, in the sense of the, the relationship that we have with God, the sovereign creator and the ruler of all things, we were alienated from God by our rebellion against Him and by the, the wrath against us. In our world right now, there are people who are raging against God. They're not raging against cultural norms and, and, and things that we've come to believe. They're, they're raging against what God has called us and created us to be. And their war... Is, is with God. We tend to take it personally when it gets into our backyard, right? But this war is with God. Yeah. It, it, when, when, when Samuel was judge, 
in, in, in the early scriptures, he was, he was a judge, and the people began to cry out, we don't want any more judges. God had judges for Israel rather than kings. All the rest of the nations had kings. But God raised up judges, and these, these uh, wise men and women uh, would dispense justice, you know, and uh, they, would, they would use scripture, right? They would, they would help people understand uh, how, how to get along. And, and if there was issues with, with border uh, between two landowners or, or whatever the issue might be, they brought them to the judges. The judges would deal with them uh, in, in a way that is scriptural so that there would be justice in the land, right? And the, and the people of Israel began to cry out, man, we don't want that. We want kings like other nations have. You know, they have castles, they have, you know, uh, whatever it is. They, they have opulence, you know, and, and, and they have a, a class of people that are above everyone else that are great, you know, and, and that's what we want. And then Samuel cut to his heart, and he was very sad about it because he was a judge, right? He's about to be unemployed. And <laughs> because the people are, are raising this up, and God says to him something that, that we need to hear in our time, in our culture right now. God says, they're, they're, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They're rejecting me. I'm the one that gave them the judges. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me and my rule over their lives. And that is exactly what's going on. We've been alienated by God through our rebellion against God. And, and his wrath was against us, it says in Scripture. So uh, since then, we've been justified by faith. Paul talks about here to the Romans. We are no longer the en God's enemies. But more than that, we're God's friends because of this relationship that we have with Jesus. John chapter 15, 14 through 15, Jesus says, you know, more servants, you're, you're friends. I call you friends. And, and, his, and we're also his children. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Uh, we, we, uh, have a, we've accrued the benefits of, of relationship and the inheritance of the kingdom as a result of making Jesus Lord and leader of our lives. And so then uh, he touches on that in this passage by saying, my father's house has many rooms. There's a place for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus also, as the way, was talking about the way of sacrifice. The way of sacrifice. He says in this passage, you know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus was heading to the cross, eventually to the right hand of God, right? To ascend to the right hand of God. But that pathway, that way led to the cross. The perfect Son of God would take on the sin of all mankind. He would be sacrificed. And Thomas said to him something that rises up, I think, in our nature, and I'm going to explain it a little bit in just a moment, because the question that he's asking here um, needs some clarity. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Now, it's not true that he did not know from the sense of, of it having been revealed and talked about, revealed through Scripture, 
And the prophet Isaiah, you ever read, spent any time at all, you know, in the Messianic passages, tells it. So all through the Old Testament, Psalms, uh, tells about the suffering servant that's, that's coming and, and what's going to happen. And, and so, though Jesus had, had, had even often himself sat down and talked with his disciples uh, as he was approaching the death and resurrection and explained to them, told them, you know, that three days, you know, I'm going to be dead. And, and uh, uh, yet it seems it, they didn't understand. And then Thomas is not alone in this. The, the rest of the disciples, they were not all gathered there on day three with a big party waiting for Jesus to rise up from the dead, right? In fact, the, the first preacher was a woman, right? He's not here, he's risen. The women who came to, to take care of Jesus' um, body and to, to uh, you know, even them though, they were coming bringing spices and to deal with a dead body and not to, to welcome him back with a rolled away stone, right? And so here is the, the crux of the issue. Like so many of us in this room and those who are listening online, we want to know why before we commit to the way. Now, Jesus has been laying out a pathway of sacrifice. And, and the crux of, of, of what was going on inside of Thomas and I think other disciples as well is, uh, tell me why. Why do I have to suffer? You know, what's going to be the benefit of it if, uh, you know, at, at the end? Explain the why to me, and then we'll get, we'll get with you on the way. Three years walking with Jesus every day, hearing him teach, watching him do miracles, listening to him repeatedly say, I only do the will of the Father, was not enough for him. The why question keeps many who, from, from believing and trusting and following Jesus. Why is there suffering in the world? Why is there evil in the world? Why do you allow me to be rejected? Why do you allow them to die? The one I love, the one I cared about. Why does my story always have sad endings? The why question keeps cropping up in our lives and in the lives of those who are lost and, and separated from God to prevent them from making the next steps with the way to move in the direction that leads to eternal life. Laura's story uh, is, is a, a blogger, a Christian blogger, and she wrote something that really stuck with me. I read recently. She said, God doesn't promise our stories will make sense in, in and of themselves. But he does promise they will find greater purpose in the light of his greater story of redemption. He will not always answer your why question, but he will always fulfill the promise that your story will have greater purpose in the light of the greater story of redemption. Thomas asked, how can we know the way? And Jesus did not give Thomas a set of directions. What you're going to want to do... You're going to go down four red lights and make a right. When you get to the oak tree at the end of the street, turn left. He didn't give him a set of directions. He, he didn't answer his why question that was hiding deep within that. Why? You keep talking about dying and all this kind of stuff. Why would I want to do that? Why do I want to take up my cross and follow that leading example, the way? Why, why do I want to do that? 
But what, what Jesus did, and what he always does with, with, with why questions, and I love this about Jesus, is he, he invited Thomas to deeper relationship. Jesus first tells him, you know the way. And he goes, but I don't know the way. So Jesus says, I am the way. I'm going first. I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going the way of sacrifice. I'm going the way of suffering. And what I want to invite you to is a personal relationship with me. I'm the way. You want to get to God. You love God. You care about God. You want to you want to go with him and be with him. I'm the way. And I'm inviting you to personal relationship with me. My mom plays uh, uh, the piano beautifully, and, and uh, she's uh, had a lovely voice. She's in her 80s now. There was a song that uh, my mom and dad were my pastors growing up, and there was a song that she sang as a special in church several times uh, when I was young, and I, I don't really call the name of the song, uh, but one of the lines that stuck with me throughout my life, and, and it especially presented itself whenever I had some why questions for God. Why? Is this going on? Why? Can it turn, does it have to be this way, God? And so this line from a song she sang, and you, you may remember it, some of you in the room may remember this line, from an old song that was sang a lot as a special in church. And the line says, Lord, I don't need to understand. I just need to hold your hand. When Jesus invites us, uh, when the way invites us into relationship, he says, come follow me. I'm going first. Take my hand. I'm the way. I'm going to lead you. Lord, I don't know why we're having to go this way. I'm going to, and I'm going with you. Lord, I don't know why that the storm is raging, and, and you won't stop it. I'm going right through the storm with you. Hang on. Amen. Amen. The invitation to relationship led Jesus to the cross. Knowing the way is better than knowing the why. I want to say that to you again. Knowing the way is better than knowing the why. Abraham trusted God in obedience to God. He, he took his only son to the altar of sacrifice for God. He didn't know why God wanted his son on that altar. And when he followed through in obedience, and just as he raised the knife back to make the sacrifice to God, God's hand stopped him through an angel and provided a miraculous uh, sacrifice, a ram caught in the thickets that Abraham could bring over instead of his son and make the sacrifice. Who stood in? Instead of your son, my son, me, you, Jesus took our place. Noah trusted God and he built an ark even when the crowds gathered to mock him. And think about this for a moment. They had never seen a drop of rain on the earth at that time. 
Bible tells us that the dew would come up in the morning to water the plants. It just rose up, springs and things from the ground to water and, and cultivate what was going on on the planet. They had never seen a drop of rain. And here is this imbecile building an ark, telling him that water is going to pour out and the earth is going to flood. They hadn't seen anything like it. Now, you and I have seen floods. We've seen them on TV. Some of you have experienced them. I was in, lived in a small town where there, uh, the river uh, flooded uh, once while we were there. And uh, it was a real, real catastrophe in the low-lying areas. A lot of, lot of damage, a lot of loss of, of property and, and some loss of life. But in Noah's day, they hadn't seen it. But Noah decided, I don't know why, God, you want me to do this, but I'm hanging on. Let's go. I'll do it. There was a thief that was hanging on the cross beside Jesus, and he trusted him to be, uh, he asked Jesus if he could be with him after death. He trusted him with his life in that moment, in those closing moments of his life and Jesus' life hanging on the cross. And Jesus promised, I'll lead you. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. I thought that was, um, would have been an interesting story, you know, on the other side, right? Well, he's gone now and he presents himself into heaven and here I am. They're like, how did you get here? What do you know about redemption? Well, I don't know very much about redemption. <laughs> Uh, okay. What do you know about the life of Jesus? I only met him a little bit ago. You know, I, I don't know how he lived. I don't know any of the things that you're saying he did, the miracles. Well, how in the world did you get here? The man on the middle cross said I could come. <laughs> the man on the middle cross said I could come. I'm inviting our worship team to come back. Before there was a resurrection, there was a death. And before your resurrection, you must die to sin. Die to your sinful nature. Die to self-rule. Die to being directed by your own lusts and desires, the pride. Die to willful disobedience. Jesus invites us in this opening passage into relationship with these powerful four words. I am the way. I am the way. And the key for all of us is will we believe it and take his hand and follow the way. And then after you've made that commitment and you start to see life differently and the, and the journey differently, when trials and difficulties come along, will you keep holding on? Will you say, as my mom sang in that song, Lord, I don't need to understand. I just need to hold your hand. I just need to, that assurance that you're walking every step of the way with me. And as long as I have that, I'm good. I'm good. I'll go where you want me to go, Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. Will you stand with me as we invite the Lord's presence here today? And if this is the moment for you to make that commitment, I want to invite you to do that, to put Jesus first and invite him to forgive you of your sins. Tell him you believe in him. You believe that he died just for you 
and he rose again, and you want to make him Lord and leader of your life. Lord Jesus, we invite you into this room, both online, God, for those, wherever they are in their living rooms, wherever they may be today, that you would invade them with your presence, with the presence of your Holy Spirit, and convict hearts and lives and bring us to you. And in this room as well today, we invite you. We want to follow the way. We want to accept the invitation to relationship today. In Jesus' name, amen.